welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I'm your host as always, Stephen Murphy, joined by the regular rugby crew of Sam and Westy. We are back a day later than usual, but we are back uh, to discuss URC. But first and foremost, we will get stuck into the the, re- the real meat of today, which an Irish squad was announced uh, to go to New Zealand, to tour to New Zealand. Uh, we're going to start with that and then we'll touch on the URC semi-finals um, that was happened last weekend. Before we get into that, as always, Sam. How are you, sir? I'm good, yeah. Just kind of trying to get all my stuff together and consolidate before the end of the school year so that all my paperwork is up to date and everything's all done and I can just go and enjoy the summer straight away. Uh, you know, in years gone by, I haven't done that and I've ended up having to kind of try and catch up with myself in August before going back. So I'm trying to be real smart this year. Uh, that and I booked the boat to London for my housemate from college's wedding in August, which I'm excited about. And I'm going to Dungarvan for a couple of days at the end of the month for a holiday. So, yeah, all in all, just once the summer, once the, the weather realizes it's also summer, I'll be happy out. Why did you go boat, if you don't want me asking? Uh, my girlfriend doesn't fly. Oh. It's, it's been an issue for her now for years. Uh, we've we've ended up having to get off the plane on the runway once, which was not fun for anyone involved. Uh, delayed the flight by a good 40 minutes while they made sure we didn't have bags or was terrorists. Uh, we will. <laughs> we were, we're, she's building up to it she was pre-covid trying to trying to book a flight and she was going to go we were going to go over to the states and then that got cancelled with covid so just between that and bringing the daughter over and bringing all the shite that comes with having a baby uh we just decided we'd get the boat go over visit some family on the way between uh we're going fish guard so i got family in bristol and family in salisbury so i'm going to visit them on the way and the way back uh, and then yeah just have all her stuff in the car just kind of makes it a bit easier i'd personally prefer the 25 30 minute flight it would be but ah the four hour boat and the four hours worth of driving cross country yeah no that, that's fine that's fine so i'm fine I'm, I'm absolutely fine with it just to clarify you said she's building up do you mean she's building up to flying or building up to terrorism i just want to clarify that before we go further uh, no comment oh my god i knew it i've always known it uh westy how are you sir uh, any terrorism um, no, we're all right for the old terrorism, actually. Uh, none of that over here. Um, no, I'm good. I had a good weekend. I was uh, back in Dublin again at the weekend. Um, I was doing in Helen back down in Bray uh, with a few friends from, from Ballinac and a Sligo direction. Raising um, so, yeah, I got shot. Oh, yeah, well, I was staying. I stayed the night in Dublin. I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep on the course. I finished it eventually. You know? it just it didn't took me a while. We have, like, we have a regular listener from Bray who will pick us up on it. I just didn't want to get called out on this, West. I stayed with my brother who lives in Dublin. Sam needs geography. Uh, he needs clarification. Exact locations. I'll send them on later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I got to hang out with my brothers, which is pretty good. We went for a few pints. Um, and, yeah, I got shot with pellets and electrocuted. So that was really fun. Pretty fun for me. That sounds. Really enjoyed it. No, maybe I'm the weird one. That sounds like the opposite of fun. That's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's funny because someone asked me during a week, "Oh, which one is Helen back? Is that the one where you get like shot and executed?" And I was like, "No, <laughs> Helen back's about fitness." No, it was not about fitness. Uh, that's for sure. Can you? Can I? Is there? Can I? Where do I apply for the job of shooter? Could I be the shooter? <laughs> I'll do that. For, for fun. One of those things where, like, so you get to like, there's different sections, right? Like, and you can always not do something if you if you don't want to get shot. Oh, I just you want, get to like, don't do any of it. Don't fast all of it. Don't want to do get, that. Don't want to do that. <laughs> you get to this forest where, like, oh, they're going to shoot you, so they give you these like safety specs. You know, like these like little goggles that you wear. Uh, and the guy at the start who wants you to get shot uh, tells you the best thing to do is to run as fast as possible through that area because then it'll be hard for him to shoot you. Um. But you have to then look at it from the perspective of someone like Stephen with the gun in the trees. 
who sees uh, a guy with a beard and a ponytail trying to sprint through it so he doesn't get shot. And yeah, they fairly, they fairly aim for you. Did it give you um, anything to protect the googlies? Uh, nothing to protect the googlies, unfortunately. What? Um, yeah. Is there an unwritten rule, no shooting at the googlies? I don't know, man. I've got some. I've got some marks near that area. Oh, I thought um, you were going to say something completely different there. I'm glad you didn't. I thought you were going to say you got some, <laughs> you got some big old googlies to hit. <laughs> I do. I mean, well, I mean, that, that's a completely different issue. They'd have to have a very good shot to get mine. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, we should swiftly move on because there is kids that listen to this. So uh, we'll move on. Uh, yeah, I said Irish squad announced to travel um, to New Zealand. No major shocks. Few uncapped players, which is always fantastic to see. Uh, Jimmy O'Brien. We have Kieran Frawley. Uh, we've got Jeremy Lockman. Uh, we also have Joe McCarthy, and of course, last but by no means least, Keen Prendergast, uh, which is fantastic to see. Uh, obviously, from uh, Connacht fans ourselves, that was brilliant. Connacht uh, have five players. We have Mac Bundy. Uh, we have Dave Heffernan, obviously Prendergast, and Finley. Uh, Stephen Willie Bealham um, also which again no. I th- well, I think th- we'll talk briefly on the Connacht side of things first I think we have to be fairly honest here I think Dave Heffernan's pretty lucky to be going on this squad you know form definitely never seems to come into Irish squads I think we, we can argue that point later on but um, Dave Heffernan I'm sure will be the first to admit hasn't had a great season on the pitch um, De- Delahun sort of kind of you know took over a little bit of that starting jersey and kind of made it his own before his injury uh, but I think Westy, the thinking here is, and we kind of heard this before, Heffernan knows the system, knows probably a lot of the, what the ins and outs of that Irish squad. And I'd say that's a long way of his selection here as well. Yeah, definitely. And you also have to kind of look at the fact that um, you know there are certain players unavailable. So you're looking at the fact that Keane Keller, apparently now I didn't know this before the squad was announced, but I've heard since that he's not available, eligible, el- available to go on the tour. Um, Dave Heffernan's been in and around Ireland squads uh, even during the year we know that he was at Ireland games we know that he was in Ireland camps so he was never I don't know if he was ever officially named in the squad but he was there covering um, because as you said he knows the calls he knows the systems Um, I personally definitely think he is um, I'm not going to say that he is going to start in the games I I definitely think he's good enough to be in the squad I just don't think we've seen a lot of that in the last year as you guys said like we know you know we can be as biased as they come and we'll say that it hasn't been his best uh, season in a Connacht jersey, but um, it's a tough season as well. Do you know, like uh, coming out of COVID, and, uh, South African teams in the league, being pulled back and forth from Ireland squads, never really being, I think that's a very tough position to be in when you're that extra man where you're kind of hanging around and you might not get games and it's tough to motivate yourself the following week when you're back uh, in your province. But um, yeah, probably benefits a bit from Keller and not been around, Um but I, I would love to see him get valuable game time because I do think there is still room for him to grow. I, I, I've always said I saw the potential for him to grow as an Ireland player. Um, and as well, it's kind of, I think we've got three kind of slightly different hookers there as well. There's no kind of like for like replacement. We've got, you know, Dan Sheehan, who is a little bit more silky with the skills. You know, he's a bit more, let's just, you know, for lack of argument, I want to say a bit more of a, a back in the way that he can run and step and, and move. Rob Herring is your little bit more of your enforcer. You know, I, I don't want to be too stereotypical, but like South African, we saw him against the Stormers. Like he was, you know, very, very aggressive in carrying the ball and, and in other aspects of the game. And then uh, Dave Heffern is is a little bit more, well, I'd say he's maybe a little bit more between the two, right? He's a pretty strong carrier. Um, he's mobile around the park. He's, he's a good, he's good in the contact but we would say this set piece kind of does need a little bit of work. So hopefully this is a great opportunity for him to kick on and develop as a player. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, other kind of iconic players, obviously Mac, that was a no-brainer. Bundy is always an ever-present as is Finley beat him. But Sam, we're seeing Keane Prendergast kind of push on from his, uh, including the sort of development side of things there at Six Nations. Now he's going on a tour to New Zealand. Things are happening quickly for our boy. Yeah, hugely. I think that was probably part part of the reason why you saw him playing number eight in the last game of the season. It was an interesting thing, and I think that's something that you know, Andy Farrell and a lot of international coaches look for in your back row players is maybe not just that that single position ability, but ability to play maybe two or three positions and even in some cases play in the second row as well. So I think that that was part of that and it's been huge. It's, it's a great move by Farrell to reward him considering he was the development player in that last squad, you know, to go from that, to go from the Six Nations squad being the development player into actually being brought to New Zealand shows just... It shows that Farrell is, I know he sticks with his lads, but it also shows that he's willing to, you know, you move you up if you continue to prove yourself. You know, he was in that development spot. He's probably been given some work on. He's definitely worked on them uh, because Farrell's brought him back and he's brought him into the wider squad. And he'll get some game time. I'd be really disappointed if anyone goes on this tour and doesn't get, you know, more than a half worth of rugby between the tests and the, the two Maori games. You want to see 40 to 60 minutes minimum for every player on the tour, in my opinion. Uh, and if that's the case, I think that he'll light it up because he has that and he, he just doesn't seem to be phased by big occasions. He doesn't seem to be phased by the step up. He's still so young. He signed a three-year deal with Connick, so he's, he's back in that. And he's gone from strength to strength all year. And even, you know, into going from last year, from interviewing a couple of the players on this podcast, they all earmarked him as someone to look out for, someone that's impressed in training, someone that came without, without any sort of kind of hindrance of being an academy player not trying to bow to the lads not trying to kind of hold tackle bags and worm their way up sort of thing he came in he just laid down a marker and that's we've seen that again so i'm delighted for him now he's it's well it's well worth it and it is such a heavily contested position that back row there's, there's eight people going on it i think Connor oliver can be unlucky to do uh, and you know a couple of others as well can be unlucky to not be included in that uh, so i'd be i'd be kind of thinking you know, it's it's huge. And now once he has a position, he should probably look to stay and look to kind of hold it down and to just not fall out of squads in the future. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 a fantastic milestone to get for him and we'll definitely push on for our six nations. Yeah, I think Conor Oliver the I think unfortunately for Conor Oliver, it's it's the fucking hardest position to get in an Irish team. It's just stacked with talent. I will say though, sorry, just on that, that I kind of seeing everyone seems to think that like the back row is the back row. And I know Prendergast has played a bit of eight, and that's that's the thing. But I think Oliver, in terms of being a seven, like a proper seven, seven, I know too many plays there a good bit, but I think after Van der Fleer, he's the best outright seven. But I think that if you are only a single position, it makes it so much harder to get into the squad. And that's that's probably what lets him down a little bit. As you see Baird, like Baird is covering three or four positions there. The same with O'Mahony's covering across them, you know, Doris, Conan, Conan, and Doris, or not Doris, sorry, Conan and Coombs, they're both six eights, that sort of thing. So Coombs played, uh, Coombs played a lock as well for Munster. Yeah. So it's so, it's so hard to break in if you are just an out and out seven, unless you were Van der Fleer, who is just, you know, he's the, the best player in Europe at the moment though. Uh, well, yeah, that's why we got him over from South Africa for Sam. He's that good. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about uh, uncapped players. Obviously, Jimmy O'Brien getting in. Jimmy O'Brien has impressed for Leinster, definitely. Uh, played some big games as well, not just playing kind of the smaller league games. Um, I think he definitely obviously benefits from Balakoon being injured, which is disappointing, and Andrew Conway as well. I think they would have been two nailed on players to go, but still, he's in there. Larmer makes a kind of a return as well. Um, Lockman obviously has, has shown some promise with Munster. It's good to see that being rewarded. Um, and we also see Joe McCarthy, who's I think, as Leinster fans will tell you, has been nothing but impressive. 
uh, Big Mac they call him and uh, be interested to see how he kind of does progress into this kind of um, a tour like this which can really make and, and make big strides with players so that's fantastic we'll get to some of the kind of key positions obviously uh, out halves no no major surprise in two of these selections obviously Johnny Sexton and Joey Carberry uh, selected but Westy how much does Andy Farrell fancy Harry Byrne like what is what 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 is what was what is he saying that we're not because I'm still confused by this because we're not seeing him play much at all. I think it's twelve games this year. Is that this that stat has been thrown around? He's not playing very frequently. Ross has been playing a bit more. Uh, just whatever reason, Farrell likes Harry more than any kind of anyone else, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, and I think um, I don't like to say it, but I think maybe the weekend had a pretty negative effect on Ross Burns' chances to get in. Because I think, I think other than that, I think he'd actually had a pretty strong season for, for the most part. Now, I know he gets a lot of criticism leveled at himself, but I thought he had a lot of really good showings. I think um, if you're looking at the other 10s that are available, let's say outside of Carberry and, and Sexton, you know, Ross Byrne, let's say, plays the most and performs the most uh, in tandem, do you know, like we can say, well, Carthy plays more often and Carthy has a higher ceiling, but you know, obviously the results don't always go Connor's way, and sometimes Carthy's under, under a lot more pressure. So, for various reasons, say Billy Burns, Billy Burns plays a lot, but then there's a lot of switching out of you know, Larry played a few games at 10, and you know, so it, it's kind of, I think, if you were a Ross Byrne, you have a, a lot of right to feel hard done by, but I think maybe unfortunately, blame might be leveled at him for the loss of the weekend to, to the Bulls, which we might uh, chat about a bit more later on, but um. Yeah, I think, yeah, Andy Farrell definitely seems to have the players that he likes and he likes to keep certain players in and around the squad. Now, I really do like that that seems to be partnered with uh, giving guys opportunities and giving guys meaningful opportunities as well, right? Like, you know, not to lean too heavily on Cox, but look at Mac Hansen. Like, Mac Hansen's brought in and, and handed a chance against Wales and he takes it with both hands. Um, even we'll see what happens with Treadwell, but, you know, Treadwell played, what, one game, played 20 minutes, half an hour in the Six Nations and, and has got back in again, so... Um, I do think that you know Farah has certain favourites, but he likes to keep. Uh, he does. He does fairly give chances elsewhere as well. But the Harry Byrne one is, is a little bit weird to me. I, I think it's again, it's on age. It's about a good opportunity to develop a young ten. You know, if you're if you play the All Blacks at twenty three, twenty four years old, um, you're not going to fear much for the rest of your life. I don't think. Um, but it, I mean, it could also in theory, right? It could also go the other way. Like if he has a very bad experience in New Zealand, it could kind of you know mark the end of or mark a break in, in his Ireland career. Maybe Farrell had all his pins, all his hopes pinned on Jack Carthy. And after he saw the surgery, he was like, oh, damn, what do I do now? I I hope that was the case. I don't think it was the case. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be surprised if it was. I mean, I'm not saying there's no chance, but... It's it's Johnny and Joey, and then it's sort of whoever he thinks is best for that third row. It seems to be what's going on with, with the selection. It's kind of the same in other spots as well. Like, it's it's Gibson Park and Conor Murray, and then it seems to be Craig Case at the moment, but whoever that third kind of player is for certain roles, um, that seems to be the case. So Yeah, just one other thing on it before... It just does seem to be a bit of a pattern with Farrell where he does go with his one and two choice and then brings a youngster, which he's not the only coach in the world who does it. You know, like we see it, you look at the next group, we see it again with the scrum halves, right? It's it's two established starting scrum halves and a young lad. So it's not, I think it's it's a bit of a pattern in his squads as well that, that we see happen. Yeah, I think and it's not a bad pattern. I said, I do agree. I'm not always the biggest fan of uh, Farrell's selections, but there is, you can't argue that he hasn't, uh, given chance to people who he's five uncapped players now I know it's a tour of New Zealand it's not exactly the World Cup or Six Nations but um, it's better than nothing we've seen a lot less in the past um, 
there's still a couple of selections where I think yeah he 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 takes form into account. Sam, maybe this is I don't know. What do you think about this? But he takes form into account sometimes. But when it comes to certain players, like like Kieran Treadwell is by no means a bad player. But he has he been more impressive than other locks that sort of have kind of proven themselves. The likes of Jack O'Donoghue, even the likes of Niall Murray, the likes of um, Oshin Dowling and Connacht. Like has have they has he been much better than them? Probably not. But he just seems to have obviously a certain liking to tread well. Then I'm sure there's something in camp that that has dictated that. But he 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 has his certain guys, and a year out from the World Cup, he's not going to defer too much from that. No, absolutely not. I think that there's obviously going to be a bunch of selection criteria. One of which will be form. There's going there's going to be people like Mac Hansen earlier on in the year whose form can't be overlooked, and that was brought in to prove himself in training. Another thing is going to be how they react. Another thing is going to be how they work in the system. Other things that will come into account shouldn't happen with an international team, but it does is, you know, your partnerships at a provincial level, that, that side of things that that'll obviously play on his mind. He'd be listening to the coaches. You know, we see that Peter uh, Wilkins is going on this tour, which is great. He'd be listening to their input about how people train, how they look after themselves, how seriously they take things that what they do outside of the, the training pitch, you know, all of those things will be taken into account. So I think form is only going to be part of an overall selection criteria. Treadwell for me is one, like he's a brilliant player. He's been involved in it. Like you said, that they're not going to get rid of players out of his, out of his reckoning this far from the world cup. But I just don't understand how you're overlooking John Klein when we're, we're clearly lacking in that size. You brought Joe McCarthy probably for that reason, because he's still very young. I know he's got a lot of potential, but I think the idea was to get him in because he looks like, you know, something that's not naturally very abundant in an Irish selection or in, in ability for Ireland to select is one of that size and stature. But Sean Klein has that and he's had a brilliant season. He was in the URC team of the season in a season which Munster fans will be the first to admit wasn't a very good Munster season. So for him to be selected just goes to show you how good he's been. And you know, I prefer to see personally an Ushing Dowling or a Niall Murray or even a Gavin Thornbury if you came back from injury a little bit earlier. But I just think even if they were selected, it would be unfair on Sean Klein. So I, I think... John Klein's kind of getting a raw end of the deal there, be that a hangover from what happened at the last World Cup, just be it whatever it is. But I think he's exactly what we could have used there. And personally, I would have had him over Treadwell. Not to say anything negative about Treadwell, but I just think that that would be my personal choice because it's somewhere that I think we'll we'll see again, especially with Sheehan, like with, with Kelleher not being available and Sheehan probably being the starting hookers. We'll probably just see you know a lot of pressure coming in on that type five again from New Zealand teams. So something that you know Ireland are going to want to try and remedy and see how that works uh yeah no on the whole form is only going to be a very small amount of his selection criteria I think first and foremost and his idea is how well they play to a system that he has developed or that his coaches and his team have developed and how well you can come into that system and work it or how well he can build a system around your abilities Westy should James Ryan be going on this tour not only from a form point of view but from a, a health and safety point of view we know how many concussions a man has had. This is going to be an incredibly physical couple of games uh, in New Zealand. Should he be on this? And again, nothing against him, but should he be on this uh, panel? Yeah, I want to be careful what I say because, look, at the end of the day, it's up to the Irish team doctors and the Leicester team doctors, I suppose. If if they've cleared him to be fit, then they've cleared him to be fit. And, and yeah, he, he's fit to go. Form-wise, I don't really think he's been that good all season. To be honest with you, like, you know, Sam was just talking about Joe McCarthy. I'm really surprised that Ross Maloney didn't go. Like, I thought he's had a, a fantastic season. Um, so, yeah, that, it, that kind of even maybe makes the, uh, the James Ryan question a little bit more um, a little bit more valid. But I think, I think no matter what way you look at it, like, James Ryan is, 
is probably who Farrell sees as his long-term captain. You know, like anytime Sexton's not available, it seems that that's kind of where it goes or, you know, between maybe him and Peter O'Mahony, depending on the situation, Peter O'Mahony may be taking over mid-game sometimes as well. But um, I think, yeah, I think, again, this is maybe a slight example of us um, satisfying a, a short-term need instead of a long-term goal. You know, we're, we're trying to get, you know, we're trying to get this young lad involved and get him as developed as possible when what he probably needs is a bit of a gap in play, a bit of time, a bit of a bit of uh, game time to get back on form, John, and to be injury free for a while. But as you guys said, like it's a it's an extremely physical tour. I mean, I, I would say the only more physical place you could go is South Africa, but we're also playing the Maori in two midweek games, so it's going to be very demanding. I think you could make a, a stab that there's kind of maybe two teams in that squad that you can pick out. You know, you're you're. Uh, you can call it probables and possibles if you want, or you know your midweek team and your weekend team. Um, but yeah, I think. Look, I don't ever want to begrudge anybody for going on this. Doing a tour in New Zealand is, is a fantastic opportunity, especially coming off the back of, of a victory against them. But um, I'm, I'm I'm absolutely fine that he's going because look, he, he does have so much potential, and he is a leader within that squad, and he's definitely somebody that we will look to in the future. But what I really, really hope is now that he's on the tour, that he's managed correctly. I, my only fear, and, and I know you're not saying like begrudge the player for, for going, but my only fear is that, as I say, everyone involved in the Ireland camp, and not, not just him, not just the coach, not just the doctors, them all together, um, are trying to satisfy a short-term goal of winning a game in New Zealand as opposed to looking after someone's career. Now, that might be a little bit drastic to say, but I just hope that he's, he's, being, he's well looked after on the tour as well. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, before we get sort of into lads who missed out, Sam, Kieran Frawley uh, is included in the squad as well. Uh, no doubting how exciting he is a player. What, what do you think of that inclusion? I was actually on, I was going to mention that now when Wesley was talking about the out-half situation and Harry Byrne. I think that, that is actually a, a goer and we saw a little bit more towards the end of the season. It had been two, three years before he had play, uh, since he had played any 10. We know he came up through as a 10 and then kind of focused on playing 12, but it did look like it started to become a little bit more of an option and saw you saw Harry Byrne playing a little bit of 12 as well uh, accommodating Ross Byrne at 10 and Harry Byrne at 12 so I think the Frawley is a live option at out half as well to be in rotation because you know much as we talk about Sexton's ability to get through a World Cup in a year and a half's time or whatever a year and a couple of months time the Sexton to get through this there's five five games he's obviously not going to play the Maori games I hope he's not starting all three of the tests but you know he, he might go down at some point and you might be looking at a choice of Joey Carvey, Harry Byrne, and then Frawley, who is another good player. So he's he's one to watch. I think he'll be very hard pressed to get in as a twelve, regardless of how good he's been. He can feel aggrieved being left out of some of the Leinster team teams towards the business end of the season as well, because they have the Henshaw and the Ring Rose there, the, t- the twelve thirteen that they like. And you know, Farrell's a huge fan of Aki. Not sure how much miles Aki has in the legs for this tour. You know, he looked a bit leggy towards the end of the season. He was heavily strapped and he went down injured a couple of times throughout the season for the internationals. And then Hume has just been ripping it up at 13. I don't want to see Hume at 12, really. And then, you know, Frawley's probably in there, maybe ahead of Stuart McCluskey uh, as a 12. Uh, so there'll be a lot of talk about that, but he's fully deserved it. He's been brilliant for a couple of seasons now. I think he's more going to be in regards to utility player and definitely get something against the Maori than, you know, in the tests. But I hope Farrell is open-minded about his squad selection and allows everyone to stake a claim for those test spots. You know, if that if that's the way you get the best out of the train, and when you get over there, you'll see everyone pushing it, pushing it, pushing it to try and make it. If it's a foregone conclusion before they even get on a plane, who's starting in the test squats, and then there's a midweek team, you're not going to get the best out of them, and you're going to ruin the opportunity of going over to New Zealand and testing yourself. You know, 
you could have someone like Frawley really grab the ball by the horns and go for it. And if that was the case, it'd be brilliant to see him playing 12 and, you know, be that Henshaw, Ringrose, Hugh Moore, outside him. It'd be amazing to see, you know, he's, he's a great player. So it's a, yeah, it's a class selection. It's another exciting kind of untested international selection. Five, five uncapped players is good. It's, you know, I'm, I'm a ridiculous optimist when it comes to selections and I'm always looking for it, you know, hoping that this New Zealand tour is an opportunity to blood 10 players. It's never going to happen. It's just something you'd like to see. But no, to have five uncapped players coming out, and I know Raleigh's been close a couple of times, but to have five uncapped players going out to New Zealand for a tourist class, uh, especially a year and a bit out from things. So he's got a chance now to really stake his claim in the squad. And, you know, once it, once it's your jersey or once you're in the squad, it's your place to lose going into the World Cup year. So, you know, power to him. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see Hume uh, just because of the form he's on um, and see him progress as well. Um, a few omissions. You kind of mentioned McCluskey. I think McCluskey's one of those lads who Farrell just doesn't see in, in the system in, in, in his eyes. Um, on a Connacht side of things, obviously, Kieran Marmion, uh, I think we've heard that he's he's next man in if there's any injuries, so he's kind of in that fourth position. But, uh, Westy, you know, Marmion is, isn't he? Well, I've unofficially, you know, it hasn't been said, but I, I've heard that he is waiting, you know, if there is anything, he's next man up okay. uh, for the scrum half. So, um, but look, there's a, look, we all we all know that on this podcast, we're not the biggest Conor Murray fans, um, just in terms of his form the last couple of years. But he just, as I said, just signed a three-year uh, central contract extension. So we all know he was going to go. Uh, Gibson Park seems to have that nine jersey starter, uh, you know, the starter jersey nailed down. And Casey obviously has been kind of pegged from the early on uh, Farrell as an open-comer. So, uh, unlucky for Marmion, obviously, we think you all, we all know how good he is. But Westy, how does Marmion react to this? You know, he's one year left on his contract with Connacht. If he's hanging around for Ireland caps, if that's all he's hanging around for, then it looks like it's not going to happen. Where, where do you see that going? I don't think, I don't think, first and foremost, I don't think that's all he's hanging around for. I think... I think he'd be hopeful for Ireland cap. I think he's definitely not someone who uh, feels like they're finished in an Ireland jersey. Um, and I'd say it does it does have an influence in his decision. You know, I'd say it is kind of a challenge that he, he's kind of set to, to get back in. Um, I think Connacht, uh, we at Connacht are, are lucky to still have Miami. And I mean, it was only, was it 2019? He was in talks with Saracens and then they got caught with the salary cap and then that fell through. I mean, I think that could have been the going of him if they hadn't had to slash their budget, you know, and then obviously that prospect didn't seem so attractive when they were put down to the division two, the premiership. But um, no, I think look, like Marion has been a fantastic servant to Connacht. Um, he's by every means made Galway his home. Um, but you can't begrudge the man for wanting new challenges as well. And I think that, there are certain other aspects that will influence that decision, you know, like maybe even last season we saw the nine jersey been split a little bit more between him and Blady, whereas this year I feel like, and again, someone can show me the stats that can prove the exact opposite, but I feel like Miami started and played a lot more uh, in the jersey. So um, there are little things like that that, that will it will change this, it will, that will uh, help to um, influence his decision. Um, but I really wouldn't be surprised if, you know, after in a year's time, kind of just before the World Cup or after the World Cup, if he feels he's out of firing intention, look, at, we're not going to blow smoke. Connacht's not going to be the best paying place in the world. Like There will be new challenges and good opportunities for him for a couple of years somewhere else. So it, there is a little bit of, you do have to strike where the iron is still hot. Like You're not automatically going to get a good contract in France at 34. So you want to go while you're still, while you still feel like you're uh, either at your prime or close to your prime or that's late 
able to even learn and kick on as a player. So um, I wouldn't think of it as necessarily like a slight, like, oh, they're not going to pick me, so I'm going to go abroad. But I just feel like that that is that is a draw of staying in Ireland, right? That's a draw for kind of a, any player in Ireland. You know, you can even talk about Carthy saying like, oh, I'm, I, if the Ireland caps come, that's fine. If not, there's always going to be a little party that wants to represent your country. Like, you know, and, and you know, nobody can be blamed for that at all. Like, but as time goes on, you, you have to make the higher decisions and you have to look at what's best for you long-term, not necessarily for your, you know, um, and even necessarily for your rugby goals. Those will change as you get older. So um, I don't necessarily think it would be a side against Ireland, but I think, yeah, I think we, again, we at Connacht and also Ireland, because I feel like he really hasn't got a fair whack the last few years, but we will be in danger of losing Kieran Mimeon at the end of next season. There's a reason he only signed one year, right? Yeah, look, as you said, no one would begrudge him, I think, after that year if he did look elsewhere. But no, I wasn't saying it is the only reason, but I'm saying if that was the only reason that he was considering staying around, obviously this isn't uh, ideal. But before we wrap it up here, lads, any any other omissions these guys want to talk about you can feel hard done by, not just in Connacht, but across the provinces? Uh, I don't know about omissions. You know, Balakun's unlucky with the injury that he's had. Uh, and then other than that, I think that there's a lot of players that, like, you know, Ross Maloney maybe for one, that are... You know they're they're unlucky because they've had great seasons. Jack O'Donoghue, who's another Candell, uh, maybe a little bit young, but they're they're players who've had brilliant seasons, but haven't been able to push into it because of just the depth in squad. I think it's a really really good squad. I think it's very deep. I think if you look at some of the omissions from the New Zealand team, you're also like, oh my god, how deep is their squad? Like they they had to leave out TJ Parnara and Almua. Like they brought in like Lester Fang Naku, uh, Fulufakatava, uh, you know some some really big names coming in like two of Asashek into their squad and leaving out some hugely experienced all black. So it's a, it's two very deep squads kind of hitting good veins of form or good, good, uh, good moments in time. So it'll be a class tour uh, or it won't, it'll be an absolute drubbing. And then we'll be like, why the fuck did we decide to go to New Zealand a year off from the world cup? What a whose stupid idea was that? Why don't we go to Georgia and do a four test series there? Yeah, rack up a score, in Georgia. Uh, every time yeah. we get knocked out in the quarterfinals, we just blame the whatever we did the year before, even if it's every time it's different. Until we finally find the remedy, maybe just don't play rugby for the four years between the World Cups to see how that works. They'd never figure out your strategy. Yeah, I know. Play for four years. <laughs> yeah, true. We don't even know our own strategy. Never mind you throwing it. <laughs> what was it? Japan did they? They made everyone play in the B League in the one team, so they played international rugby for like two years leading up to the World Cup. Yeah, there's a great Squidge Rugby does a great video on their preparation. They J, um, Jamie Joseph. Oh no, um, Jamie George. Yeah, took over. No, Jamie yeah, Joseph. Jamie Jamie, the took over the Sunwolves. Took over the Sunwolves B team and like signed half the Jap- Japan squad. And then anytime he felt like someone needed a run out, he just promoted them to the A team. <laughs> and then, like, kept his squad together. So, like, it does work. It promotes squad would, unity. But would New Sephora not, not do that with the Connacht Eagles? No, get all the boys down playing. Down <laughs> <laughs> <Indians Park. laughs> yeah, James, James Lowe in an Eagles game. <laughs> Mac Hanson on the other wing. Sounds great. Like, playing against UL, playing against Munster in UL, like, uh, <laughs> every second week. Uh, we'll we'll move on from. The, we're all looking forward to the to the tour, and uh, actually, yeah, a couple of weeks away. So, uh, delighted with that. But we'll move on to uh, our last topic of the evening. Um, URC semi-finals were last weekend. Two Irish provinces involved: Leinster and Ulster, both coming out on losing ends. I think we'll start with the Friday game: Leinster and the Bulls. Leinster losing by a point. Um, but they were they were beaten. They scored a try late on in in the red. So, uh, beaten by a bit more than that. Realistically. Westy, 
this is a shock. I, I think we all know how bulls, how good the Bulls are, but this is Leinster. Leinster win leagues. That's what they do. Um, and yet here we are with uh, two South African teams in this in the final of the URC, the first year in it. Uh, who would have saw that coming? Yeah, um, I just and not to fuel the fire of the anti Leinster podcast, but I just want to spare a moment for the irony of how much they and by they I really mean the media gave out about the quarterfinals and how it was too easy for Leinster and then they went and lost the following week. I just think that's Oh, but does that mean we can say that the quarterfinals didn't prepare Leinster enough for the semifinals? Is that the new well, I don't, I don't, is that the new I don't think I don't think going to South Africa prepared Leinster enough for South Africans coming to Dublin. Is that because they sent out a uh, B squad? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um but no I think yeah look it it was it was a shock. I think Leinster were shocked more than anybody maybe and look, maybe you could say that is a negative at the quarterfinal. Maybe they thought it was going to be an easy run in and they thought like, oh, this is a step down from the European competition and they got a bit of a rude awakening. Um, it was a really interesting game. There's definitely aspects of it that, you know, South Africa dominated. I don't think it's entirely South African. The South Africans been more physical than Leinster. There are aspects of that. There are times where they win the physicality battle, but there's a big moment that stood out for me. I think it was just after halftime where, the Africans were kind of almost camped on the Leinster line and Leinster turned them over and go back down the pitch. Um, and I thought at that point, I was like, oh yeah, now let now it'll swing Leinster's way. Um, but yeah, it, it ends up going back to your side. I think it was a penalty try in the end, but it was, um, uh, I just, I think there's an aspect of complacency around Leinster. Maybe there, maybe it's all a hangover from the La Rochelle game. Um, but yeah, definitely a shock. Um, but look, this is, Again, it's it's why these teams are brought into the competition, right? Like we wanted to make it more difficult for you know for teams like Leinster. Um, me and Sam were talking about it earlier in a week. I think it's it's both a good ad and a bad ad for the league. It shows that the league has been improved by bringing the South Africans in. But the fact that I think the fact that two teams who lost their opening five games are now in the final is a little bit of a of a question mark above the league. If 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 it progresses that way, you know, if you can sacrifice the first five, six, seven weeks of competition and then get the running in the end, that might be something that we have to address a little bit. But um, no, I think that if, if anything, the South Africans will probably improve at the start of next season. They'll you know be used to the Northern Hemisphere and, and the ref in the way they do. Um, and yeah, there could be more shocks on the cards. But yeah, I, I think I think Leinster, everyone in the media had Leinster Prime to take this one. You know, they were saying, oh, you know, Bulls might run them close, but the big uh, talking point now is they lost to a team with no internationals, which is um, just an interesting position to find themselves in. Yeah, Sam, try not try not to be too anti Lancer here, Sam, because we, we've got a lot of flack on this for being anti Lancer, and most of the times, if in fact all the times, it's been something you've said. So I'm getting a lot of flack recently online. I'm getting anti Monster stuff last week. I wasn't even being anti Monster. I, I was just a bit of hyperbole, really. Uh, but yeah, I'm getting, getting a good bit of flack now here. I know, who uh, but, who'd have thought? As, as a Connick fan, it's like something in a cartoon. I'm like the little mouse in the corner, like, put him yeah, up. Yeah, I get yeah. you. like, you're, pun- you're like, punching who, up, you're punching who's, up. Who's actually listening to me? Like, that's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah, I know. What was, your, what was your thoughts on this? I thought I was really lucky now that Jake White had the uh, the benefit of the hail in both halves somehow in the RDS. Uh, <laughs> really had that one <laughs> pegged, didn't he? But uh, no, I thought, uh, I thought, personally and i know i'm probably a little bit biased anyway but i wasn't as shocked as the media where i didn't see leinster rolling over the bulls at all i thought that the bulls were going to come with a chip on their shoulder having been you know pumped there at the start of the season and then losing to us in the second game of the season i think that they had a lot to prove i think the south africans are a proud nation and they were always going to do that 
Marcel Coetzee was just a man fucking possessed, really wanted to make a marker because I think that some, you know, there's, there's a little bit of rumblings about the, the manner in which he left Ulster. So you saw a Bulls team that were fired up for it. But like Westy said, I don't buy this this instant narrative that Leinster were bullied off the park by La Rochelle or by Bulls because I don't think that that was the case. I think they stood up physically for a lot of the game. Maybe they were worn down, tired from a lot of it. But where both teams, I think, beat them was both teams knew their game inside out and they were smart about it. And they, you know, you can see a pre-rehearsed move, a tap and go that you wouldn't see in under 15s rugby working against Leinster because Bulls had spotted something and they'd done their homework on it and they, they managed to get that win. I think Ross Byrne came under a lot of pressure and I'd say the Bulls were licking their lips when it wasn't Sexton starting, not because there's any slight on Ross Byrne's ability, but just because the step down from Sexton is huge. And then Sexton came on and I don't think he had the positive impact that he should have had. He came on and obviously put in a big hit, but actually he looked like he was too wound up to really play the game. He was getting himself involved in arguments and stuff. And when your team ends up losing, you come across kind of looking a little bit foolish in that manner. So no, it's, it's, it's going to go down as a disappointing season for Leinster because they're so used to winning silverware. It's the first time since 2017 that they've gone a season without winning something, which is, you know, for them, there's a lot of players there that aren't used to losing so or aren't used to not winning. So it's going to be a big learning curve for them. But for the league, it was the best thing. You couldn't have a team winning five in a row. It would just be, you'd be getting to the, the likes of the Bundesliga and soccer. It would just be becoming a one-horse race and it wouldn't be interesting for anyone. So a new winner for it giving Leinster a lease of life, you know, to go back, start taking the league a bit more seriously in future compared to what they have done in the past few years, start training towards beating these bulls and start making, you know, making amends for what happened there. I think it's, it's only going to be good for the development of the league. So it's a positive int- introduction for the bulls, a positive introduction for South Africa, and it's really justified their inclusion in the league. So I think it's excellent. Uh, and I said, you know, I, I got a lot of delight from it, of course, uh, but I also do just think it's excellent on the whole for the league. Remember that's at Sammy underscore P. Just I just want to remind all the people, like I, I was born and raised in South Dublin. Like I, I went to Leinster games growing up. Like my dad's from Mayo and he was always a massive Connacht fan. But it's only moving to Connacht now in the last 10, 15 years that I've like I've, I've embraced Connacht. You know, I did go to Leinster games. It just it it's just fun when it's like watching Man City lose. It's just fun when you see these like juggernaut teams that have sub- seemingly like unlimited resources or you know unlimited playing staff or a conveyor belt of ability it's just fun when you see them not working out just saying yeah i know, I know it's it, like we, we we were acting as if they had the worst season ever they lost the champs to cup by what two or three points and then they're yeah, one like point four, to a, four points between the two games like. yeah i know but that's the problem we've probably woken the beast now lens are going to even get better and better and sign bigger names but yeah, but uh, sharks are going to be bigger and better again next year they're going to be un- unhappy about losing they've signed every south african player that was available for them so it's yeah it's going to be a huge season next year i think it's class and going into that as well how many leinster players are going to be allowed to play every game next season considering they're going to want the champions cup because they're always going to want that and then it's a year out from the world cup so the players are going to be managed so the South African players probably manage it's probably going to be a different demographic to the league next year again like it's it's really interesting like, sounds next ideal for Connacht here we go uh, yeah this point, obviously yeah Lancer not finishing a year without trophy is rare but I think uh, overall as I said it's good for the league and good for uh, rugby in general but they'll be back um, move on to second semi-final Ulster were involved in this one coming out two points deficit 17 points 15 uh, Westy Ulster had unfortunately unlike Leinster had to travel down to South Africa to play the Stormers who were uh, obviously fantastic during the league but to lose in the fashion that they did Westy that is it's been a, there's been a couple of heartbreaking losses for Ulster this year this one's right up there at the top isn't it yeah yeah I think it's 
I don't know why, but I think it's in a lot of ways it's almost worse than the Toulouse game in some ways. Like, I, I think I texted you guys after the Leinster game and said it's all prime for Ulster now, and like to take it. Like, I, I think it really would have been. They'll definitely see this as an opportunity gone. Not necessarily, not an easy opportunity to take at all. I'm not saying that, but um, as something that might have got away from them. Um, yes, the manner of the loss more than anything else, isn't it? Like even. Yeah, like like the first the the, the Balakun try, you know, it's, it's debatable whether it's you know I don't, don't know if it didn't seem very flat to me, but um, there are just some moments to pick out where you kind of th- like things that are very on Ulster. Like there's a is it the Robert uh, the, the Stuart McCluskey break where he passes back into Billy Burns and then Billy Burns kind of panics and gives the ball too early and Queenie slices the ball off. You know, it's just kind of and then they did they lose the lineup afterwards like it was just some moments of kind of a lack of composure I think that at the time you just think oh like he made the wrong decision there but when you look back at a game that you lost by two points you kind of think oh god was that the moment um I know that after the yellow card I definitely thought that I you know, wrongly again for the second time in two weeks I, I don't know when I'll ever learn but I thought that was it for the Stormers I thought um I thought Ulster now would kind of would maybe would adapt their game plan and would and would close it out because they had held They'd held the Stormers out on their line before, you know. It wasn't something that, you know, it wasn't like all they have to do is get near and, and barrel over. Um, but, yeah, I think it hurts. I, I think, you know, I, I think they'll see those as two games, you know, the, the Toulouse game and the um, and the uh, and the Stormers game, as two games that they, they really could have won, you know, um, but that got away from them in, in literally the last closing minute of the game. So there's a few different things they can look at, like... It, I would hope first and foremost that this is another another knockback in the development of this squad, right? They're not, as far as I know now, and then please correct me if I'm wrong, there's not a huge influx or outflux of players for next season. It's they're primarily keeping a lot of that group together. So hopefully that is just another kick in the teeth that they'll need and they'll come back stronger next season. Like it is still overall a pretty positive season for them. Okay. They will look at how their steam ran out at the end. They lost a couple of games of the URC. They, they should have won losses, lose loss in the semi-final, but um, look, that doesn't really sauce anybody now. You, you'll feel like that's the second or you know third out of the last couple of years that um, you you it was really there for you. You had an opportunity to do something special, and they haven't won silverware now. In I mean, we're looking at my fifteen years or probably more at this stage, but um, I, I do still really think it's a great group of players. There might just be one or two ingredients they're missing, but the the measure of them now will be how they bounce back for next season because it'll show character that they can take a loss like that and take the fact that no, we were actually in two really important playoff games and we were a hair away from winning. Yeah, I think no more than what we said about Leinster, you were literally, you know, as you said, Westy, a couple of points away from being in a semi-final of Champions Cup and then the final of the URC. So uh, especially, it's it's disappointing even more the fact that they, they knew Leinster had lost. You're going to have home advantage for that final against the Bulls. Uh, it's just it's a real kick of the teeth to lose that at the death but I think as well Sam is it fair to say though in the more than teams when they face Connacht teams facing Ulster know that in the last 10 minutes of the game you're never out of it with them that there's whatever it is throughout the season they tend to just leak points a little bit or let teams back into it and that has to play a big part right? Yeah, I think they've kind of created themselves a little bit of a storyline or a narrative there. And that's you know, that's something that's it's gonna be hard to shake for them. Players teams are gonna have a bit of belief to it. I was I was confused or a little bit bemused by the use of the bench from Dan McFarland. It didn't it didn't strike it didn't seem to me that he had a huge amount of faith in his bench. Like you look at Tom O'Toole played 80 something minutes there and it was only before uh, it was the 84th minute when they brought in Mil- Milosinovic 
uh, that's you know the Tumaga Allen signing there for me. That's that in a nutshell. That they need they need that standard of player to be able to come on or to hold it down because I'd say Tom O'Toole was not like he was not overly happy when you know he's been battling away with Kitsoff for so long. Uh, and then was it who came on then for uh, Kitsoff? Sorry, Brock Harris. So like you know, that's that's so tough for him. And there was another couple of players that weren't you know that were left on quite long in the in the Ulster team. So it looked like Dan Farrell maybe didn't have huge amount of faith in the team. But all in all, it's just, it's really like it's, yeah, it's a couple of minutes away from a fantastic result away to Stormers. But it's again another loss in the last minute. And that's going to compound on top of the the losses or the the close to capitulations or capitulations that have happened in the last few months for them. So, you know, it's something they'll have to shake going into next year. Maybe having more faith in the 23 that are there instead of just the 15 is going to help that. And, you know, building a, building a proper squad, bringing through more youth players that have gotten, you know, another year's experience. You know, you've seen some players really step up this year, like Doak and Moore and, you know, McElroy as well. I know he kind of came through the year before last, but they've all stepped up again another level and they'll continue to do that. So they're supplementing that in with like the likes of Dwayne Ramoon and Jamal Allen. And, yeah, I think they'll be a stronger team and they'll have some more learnings from this this situation and from the uh, from the Champions Cup as well. So it's, yeah, it's it's very tough on them. Going away to South Africa was always going to be hard. It was always going to be the harder of the two semifinals uh, for them, and you're know, coming that close. And even even the kick, I know it, it's seeing the angles since it's definitely over. You know, there's no there's no denying that, and I don't think that you'd be hard pressed to find two touch judges to you know fuck someone over with that amount of TV cameras on them. But you know, it's it's the kick from the corner from a, a dodgy kicker as well. His stats aren't great. You know, they were so close to being able to go to extra time or even getting the win there. It's it's just the throw of a dice, really. Yeah, I, lo- I do enjoy people who are sitting at home watching TV on a weird angle or like, oh, the guy standing right underneath the post, he got that wrong. Uh, I do I do, I do, do respect it almost to a certain degree. But yeah, look, I've been saying it for kind of all year. Ulster just can't. Um, I don't know if they believe themselves sometimes that they can get over the line and they just keep seem to have those kind of issues. But I think when they do eventually, and I think they will eventually, break through that barrier i think you could see you know they'll, they'll even step it up another level as i said they don't fear they don't fear leinster anymore and um, whether now they fear these south african teams I, I still don't think they do because we've seen they, they go down there and they play well and they nearly got a result they got they got screwed uh down in south africa a couple of months ago um so i don't think it's an issue there i think it's just the inner belief to do it now si- the likes of signing Dwayne vermulen should help that because obviously he's been there and won it all um but again this was his first year Another year of him, uh, you know, the progression of the likes of, you said, Balakun, James or uh, Hume, they're all only going to get better. And same with Larry as well. Um, but yeah, Sam, do you want to end the same? Yeah, I was just uh, on that with the, I don't know, did you listen to, it was a Henderson chat to the ref and he was like asking about, you know, he was like, oh, will you check that? And then he, he made some quip. He was like, because we've had situations down here before. <laughs> I was loving that. Uh, and then on top of that, I think that uh, Billy Burns is, you know, he's been coming very good lately and he came under a lot of flack the last time he was in Ireland squad, probably unfairly. Uh, you know, he wasn't given any time to gel and he made a couple of mistakes and that that really looked to have knocked his confidence. But he looks back again. He looks to be leading the line and between when he plays with Cooney as well, they look so good. So I'm surprised now, you know, maybe it was a bit too late in the season for him to really hit form. But, you know, that's another player you could be looking at pushing into that that out half kind of trio there. Uh, and Carty if he gets hit as well and Ben Healy as well so you know there's there's a lot of players there that have a chance to really push on this season going into a, a World Cup year so it'll be a good motivator for a lot of teams 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, briefly, Westy, we'll finish up on this. Final Stormers, Bulls, uh, two South African teams. That we, I think we all agree that's pretty cool to see the first year they're in. Um, any early predictions for that final? Um, it's definitely a very tough one to call. Um, I I would say maybe... See, after beating Leinster, it's so hard to go against the Bulls. Over what I've seen all season, I would say that I always thought Stormers were... Well, I thought Celtic Sharks were, were the better team, to be honest. But I would kind of think that Stormers might be, might be the stronger team in terms of their depth and stuff. I know Bulls have now since had a couple of lads I know could see us in the South Africa squad. And there's a couple, maybe two or three others that got called in. Um, but yeah, I think maybe Stormers... I would just want to say as well, like with the Ulster game, it was great to see like so many South Africans in the stadium as well. Like That's something that we haven't really seen this far. We haven't really... It was really easy to criticise them early on, you know, when they're missing internationals, they're travelling up here, and then te- Irish teams and, and you know, um, other teams went down to South Africa and to empty stadiums. But, like, the, you know, they're still battling COVID, they still have COVID restrictions. To see so many um, in Cape Town for the Ulster game, I thought was bloody brilliant. So I think it's a real chance now for them to really put on a spectacle. And one of the great things I think about it is it, it could be a great add to the other teams to say, like, well, like, next year when Connacht are down here for two weeks, like, this is a good this is a good investment. This is a good trip to come down to and enjoy the games. Like, um, So yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing the, the, the spectacle of it, the, the, the show they put on. Uh, I know they're still involved in the Curry Cup as well. I still don't fully understand how those squads work. I think they have a club squad. At a, in a, anyway, I'm not going to go into it now. Um, but yeah, I think, look, anything that beats Leinster couldn't beat anybody. Um, but I think on paper, Stormers are, are the slightly better team. I think as well, you're talking about the crowd sizes. I think they're still under some COVID restrictions as well. So it could have been even uh, more full. Uh, into into that game as well, Sam. Any predictions? Yeah, they're. I I think Stormers personally, you know, they were they were kind of the better team throughout the season. I think they finished up in the second spot. They'll be home team for this game, so I'd say this. I, I'd say the Stormers, but it's very close to call. You know, Bulls are Bulls are coming back into it. Bulls are unbelievable against Leinster, and they'll be buoyed by that. Uh, they have travelled a bit more now. Stormers were at home last week, and that might stand to them as well. They're playing at home for this final. I don't like the highest ranked team getting a home final. I hope that they get rid of that and they make a destination final in the future. And I hope that everyone takes a bit of inspiration from uh, the South African teams because if you've noticed, the Connacht jersey, Leinster jersey, Ulster jersey, all the rest of them have dodgy looking square patches for the URC uh, logo on the side of them, whereas the South African teams have embraced the shield shape and it just looks more natural on the jersey. It looks cooler. So I hope they do that, yeah, and... I've seen some local South African journalists calling for the government to open restrictions for the final. It'd be the first game full stadium and it would be a potential for a huge uh, final and would just do wonders for the league and for the teams there. So that would be massive if that happens. I don't know the ins and outs of it and if it could, but I think the Stormers personally, but uh, uh, what a game it's going to be. Yeah, uh, I think, well, obviously rugby's going to be the real winner, guys. That was that was the answer I was looking for, but you, you guys didn't go for that. Uh, I think Stormers too. I think they're, just, they're too good. Uh, well, they're both, again, both teams are really good. It'll be a good final. I'm going to pump both of them, just saying. Th- that is true. The facts are facts. It do be facts, though, Sam. It do be facts. Uh, so I think we can, yeah. no matter what the result, Connacht are the URC champions. We're all agreeing that. Okay. Yeah. On the on the back of that though, and yes, let, let's celebrate now that we've won the URC because next year we're going to have to play both of those teams in South Africa, and that to me sounds pretty. It's going to keep me awake all summer, I think. <laughs> sounds like getting shot with pellets and electrocuted. That's what it sounds like. Westy, paid for that privilege as well, Westy. <laughs> I've paid them to let them do that. And like the great host I am, I've brought it all back to to the circle there, guys. See that? I wrapped it up in a nice little bow. Got him. Got him. God. Uh, but we'll wrap it up there boys appreciate it as always uh, we will be back uh, next weekend as, as always boys appreciate it chat you soon bye cheers guys